Revelation chapter number 1, and we have been preaching now for months on what John saw, because he was that disciple whom Jesus loved. He sat where the others wouldn't sit. He leaned on Jesus' bosom. Because of that, he stood when nobody else would stand, the only one that was by his cross. Then he got to serve where the others didn't serve. He got to take Mary, his mom, the mother of Jesus, home with him. And then he got to see what the others didn't see. And we've been preaching on the spiritual perception of John, the beloved. And we saw how he went through that great gospel. And at the end of it, I love this phrase. He said, if everything Jesus did was written in a book, the whole world couldn't contain the volumes. And I want to say amen to that. And then we felt like we needed to look at First John, who so we went through those five chapters of the wonderful things that he saw, working our way to the book of the Revelation. Last Sunday morning, we gave you three words that began with the letter B. I believe that unlocks the treasures, the mystery of this wonderful part of the Bible. John saw a book. And beside of the word book, you write down God's divine plan. And I want to say tonight that God's plan's running on time. It always has been and it always will. Then he not only saw a book, God's divine plan, but he saw the bride. That's God's divine people. He got a glimpse of the church, you and I, that bride of Christ, that's raptured out of this world before the tribulation and comes back with Christ to rule and reign for a literal thousand years. You say, do you believe in the literal thousand years? Absolutely. I'm not like that boy from Sand Mountain, Alabama. He said, I don't believe in a literal rain. I don't believe in a thousand year rain. He said, if it rains a thousand years, we're going to have the awfulest flood this world has ever seen. Now, I laugh at that. You do too, but that old boy was serious. He said, it only rained 40 days and 40 nights with Noah. Can you imagine if it does it a thousand years? But I'm glad to be a part of that bride. So he saw a book, God's divine plan. He saw a bride, God's divine people. But we began preaching this morning out of chapter 1. He saw the beloved. And when he saw the beloved, you write down most side of that word, God's divine person. In fact, People talk about it being the revelation of St. John the Divine, but it's not. It is the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. I love it when he said in chapter 1, I'm Alpha, Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last, which was, which is, which is to come. It all starts in Christ, it continues in Christ, and one day it will consummate in Christ. John, in chapter 1, gives us a glorious glimpse of our wonderful Lord. We'll begin in chapter number 1 this morning, verse number 5, preaching on that glorious name. A name that is above every name. And I thought this morning that I would just live up to my reputation. One of my friends called me the other day. He said they was in a fellowship meeting and 
There was a table of people sitting there, and there was somebody really letting me have it. I mean, they were burning up three tongue barons. They were just enjoying it. One of them said, he said, I went and heard that man preach a while back. And he said, man, all he preached was Jesus. That's all he preached was Jesus. He just preached Jesus. I'll take that as a compliment. That's the name above every name. And preaching on these glorious titles or names of Christ. And we only got to three of them this morning. And we're going to come back tonight and deal with these last two. And then I can't hardly wait the next Sunday to look at these three us's. Loved us, washed us, and made us. Praise God, what a Savior. But let's look at it in chapter 1 in verse number 5. He said, I'm from, and we preached on that, Jesus. And beside of Jesus, I had you right down this line. He is the saving one. Because that's what the name Jesus means. Savior. Then we looked at the second one, Christ, which means the chosen, anointed of God. There are not four Jesuses, seven Jesuses, not even two Jesuses, but one. One Lord, one Savior. He's not only the saving one, but beside of Christ, you write down selected. He is the selected one. Chosen and anointed and ordained of God to be the Savior of all men. And then we did look at the number three in that same verse, the faithful witness. And beside of that, we wrote down this, he is the sinless one. A faithful witness is someone who can be believed in every word that he says. And I wonder if there's anybody here tonight who agrees with me. You can believe every word that Jesus Christ has said to you and I. He is the faithful witness. But I want to come tonight to the last part of verse number 5 and deal with these last two. Christ, the saving one, the selected one. Jesus, the saving one. The faithful witness, the sinless one. But notice what else he has to say in verse number 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Here it is now, say it with me. And the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth. What a title. What a description of who Jesus is. Let's look at that fourth one in that verse number 5. The first begotten of the dead. Beside of that, write down the word. Here it is. You ready? The supernatural one. Now, I love these good King James words. Beget. Begotten. When you beget or you begotten something, that means you brought it forth. Amen. And I love it when it's used like John 3.16. Jesus is God's only begotten son. You saw what I thought. Abram was the son of God and Adam was the son of God. Yeah, but he's the only one born of a virgin. The only one of its kind. 
the only one that was coexistent with the Father before the foundation of the world. The only one that was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin. The only one that at 30 years old, it could say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus was and is God's only begotten Son. There'll never be another virgin-born Son. One and one only. And His name is Jesus. Well, what do you get when God says it this way? The firstborn or the first begat or the first begotten from the dead. And immediately, every commentary I read said, This was not, when Jesus arose from the dead, this was not the first person in the Bible that was raised from the dead. And you have to agree with that up to a point. In the Old Testament, there were two men, I believe, that were raised from the dead. That servant, Elijah, went to the widow woman's house. And her son died and Elijah prayed over him and the boy was revived. You remember the soldier that fell on the graves of the old preacher and he was brought back into life? But now, if you don't believe that, you got to come to the New Testament. And there is the widow's son from Nain. I mean, he wasn't sick. Out of boy was dead and in the casket on the way to be buried. But as death was going out of town, life was coming into town. And God raised that boy from the dead. And you, you remember John 11 when he stood at the grave of Lazarus and he had been dead four days. And as they say down south, he was shown enough dead. Because he was four days dead, wound up like a mummy dead, put in a tomb dead. And in the words of his sister... And only a big nosy sister would say this about a brother. He's stinking dead. That's what she said about him. But Jesus stood forth and cried, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible is plain. It said, he who was dead came forth. So you've got to agree that there were people raised from the dead Before Jesus walked out of his grave on Easter Sunday morning. So what in the world would it mean if he is the first birth, first begotten from the dead? It means he's the only one that died by his own volition. And he is the only one that got up from the dead by his own authority. Authority. That ought to make a Methodist shout. He is the first and the only one that got up by his own power and authority. It was Jesus that touched the casket of the widow woman's son. It was Jesus that cried, Lazarus, come forth. But no voice is crying and nobody is laying the hands on the empty tomb. By his own power and his own strength, he arose from the grave and conquered death and hell and the grave. And ladies and gentlemen, we don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a 
my living Savior. And he says, because I live, ye too shall live also. The first begotten from the dead. He's a living Savior. I was talking to some people the other day and I said, listen, we don't have to agree on what color shirts to wear. We don't have to agree on a piano or a guitar in your church. We don't have to agree on wooden ceilings or painted ceilings or no ceilings. We don't have to agree on facial hair. I'm not against facial hair. I just wished I had some hair on my head, on my face, or somewhere. I am not going to argue with people over non-essential things. But I will argue with you till the cows come home over the virgin birth of Christ, the immaculate blood of Jesus, and the bodily resurrection from the dead. That we'll scrap over that. Because if Jesus Christ was not the holy, immaculate, virgin-born Son of God, He would not have been the sinless sacrifice. And brother, from Genesis to Revelation, the path is paid with blood. And I don't care how many degrees a man hides behind his name. You disparage the blood of Christ and deny the blood of Christ and lampoon the blood of Christ. My Bible said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remissions of sin. And I know it took the death of Christ to satisfy the justice of God. But ladies and gentlemen, it took the blood of Christ to satisfy the holiness of God. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no power like the power of of the blood of Jesus Christ. And if without the blood there is no remission, there is no atonement, there is no forgiveness. And ladies and gentlemen, if Christ be not risen from the dead, our faith is in vain, our hope is in vain, my preaching is in vain. We are, are without hope and we are with all, all men most miserable. But Christ is risen. He's the risen Savior. He's the living Savior. And I love of the way the Hebrew epistle put it, he ever liveth. I'm glad he is the supernatural one. The first begotten of the dead. He was raised from the dead by his own power. And I want to say this tonight, he died. He laid his life down by his own authority and his own power. In fact, a voluntary death will glory. A voluntary death is the only death he could have died anyway. Because the Bible said death comes by sin. But he never did sin. And he couldn't sin. He's the impeccable son of God. So because he didn't sin, death had no claim on him. So they voluntarily died for you and for me. And he told Pilate that day, you don't have any power, buddy, unless it's given to you by my father. I have the authority to lay my life down and I have the authority to pick it back up again. Ladies and gentlemen, he even said as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
He said, just as that temple was destroyed and it was built back, he's letting them know he would go to the cross. He would pay the ultimate price. He would shed his blood. He would physically die. But he would come back from the dead as a living Savior forever and forever and forever. He's not dead tonight. He's not out of business tonight. And I love the song. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart the first begotten of the dead he is the supernatural one and aren't you glad when you pray tonight you don't pray to a statue you don't pray to some figment of your imagination but you pray to the God who's alive and well and I'm glad he lives in us tonight so he's Jesus he's Jesus Christ The faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Look at the last description in verse number 5. When you think it can't get any better, listen to this. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead. Here it is now, read it. And the prince of the kings of the earth. If Jesus is the saving one. If Christ is the selected one, if the faithful witness is the sinless one, if the first begotten from the dead is the supernatural one, then what in the world is the prince of the kings of the earth? He's the sovereign one. He is all and above all. Now, when I first read that word prince, I said, Prince, prince. Now, where have I read that before? The Holy Spirit reminded me that one of his divine titles is Prince of Peace. Do you know the Prince of Peace tonight? And then remember Simon Peter's sermon to the early church. He said, if this world would have known what they were doing, If those Roman soldiers and those ungodly Christ rejectors, where they took their (laughs) wicked hands and slew this man named Jesus, if they would have realized what they were really doing, he said they never would have crucified the prince of life. But surprise, surprise, surprise. He is not only the prince of peace, he is the prince of life. Therefore, he is the prince of glory. And that means he's the chiefest of the peace. He's the chiefest of the life. He's the chiefest of the glory. That means he's the highest one of the peace. He is the highest one of life. He is the highest one of glory. Now, I don't have any problem getting a hold of that. He's the highest of them all in the peace department. He's the highest of them all in the life department. He's the highest of them all in the glory department. But look at how John sees him. It's even greater and Higher than the 
highest of peace, highest of life, highest of glory. But John said, let's shove it into high gear. If you think peace is something and life is something and glory is something, what about a king? Now, I didn't think you could get higher than a king. But he's the king of kings. That's even higher. But high, how did you get, can you tell them I'm about to get blessed? How can you get higher than a king? And how can you get higher than the king of kings? Well, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. He is the highest of the kings. He is higher than the earthly kings. He is the prince, the chief kings of the earth. Oh, in the Bible, there's a lot of kings. There's the king of Salem, which means peace. And then there was the powerful kings of Babylon and Roman and the Assyrian Empire. Then thou was the bad and the wicked and the good and the holy kings of Israel and later on of Judea. But ladies and gentlemen, higher than all of them in their authority, in their rule, in their domain, in their sovereign declarations is Jesus Christ, the prince of the kings of the earth. He's not just King Jesus. He's the Prince of the Kings. He is not just the King of Salvation. He is the Prince of the Kings. He's not just the King of Peace, but the Prince of the King of Peace. All must bow to Him as the Sovereign Supreme Lord of Glory. Let me say this to you tonight. When I hear people refer to the Lord as the old man upstairs, it makes my blood boil and my flesh crawl. You remember when you, I don't even know if they have chalkboards in school anymore. But before iPads and cell phones, and we actually had and we never had a blackboard. Our, our, our board was green. We had green boards. But have you ever had anybody take their fingernails? And the only thing worse than that is your mother-in-law moving in and never moving out. Scraping that board. You know what it does to you when that happens? Well, when I hear people say, well, the old man upstairs. Ooh. That makes me cringe because he is not the old man upstairs. In fact, if that's all you can say when it comes to talking about the Lord, just don't talk. Because you're as close to cursing and blaspheming as you'll ever get. He is not the old man upstairs. 
Because he's higher than upstairs. And by the way, he's not old. Who is a preacher? He's Jesus Christ. The faithful witness. The first begotten of the dead. The prince. The prince of the kings of the earth. Hebrews said it like this. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Aaron. He's better than the prophets. He's a better sacrifice. Established on a better covenant. To bring us better promises. That we may have a better hope. And have a better way. And one day go to a better country. Because whatever you throw out, he's better. Whoever you trot out, he's greater. All must bow to him in inferiority. That's why when Isaiah got a glimpse before John the Revelator, several hundred years, he said they were flying around the throne saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And when John saw the same throne and the same heaven and the same angelic beings, they're saying the same thing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Ladies and gentlemen, he is not a fake Jesus. He is not a false Jesus. He is not a frivolous Jesus. He is not a fairy or fantasy Jesus. He is the Son of God, the Sovereign Son of God, the Immaculate One, the Eternal One. He's the Prince of the Kings of the Earth. And I'm glad there's salvation in that name. I'm glad there's answered prayer in that name. I'm glad there's healing and deliverance and victory in that name. And Paul said one day every knee's going to bow in heaven, earth, and under the earth. And every tongue's going to confess. You're ready that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. I love the way the word of God is laid out. Go to Psalm 22. You got a prophecy concerning his death at Calvary. Psalm 23 is a picture of that high priest or that shepherd walking with them sheep through that valley. When you come to chapter 24, he's gone from Mount Calvary to a valley to the hill of glory. And Psalm 24 says, lift up ye doors, lift up ye gates, ye everlasting doors, and the prince or the king of glory shall come in. And the psalmist said, question, who is, who is the Lord of glory? And the psalmist said, the Lord, strong and mighty in battle, he is the Lord. And he closes out Psalm 24 just like he began. Lift up ye gates, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. 
I remember when you didn't have to go to school in August. I feel sorry for you kids having to go to school in this hot weather. You ought to have been back in the old days. We got all of August. We got all of August. I think you still ought to get it all. But some of the parents are already getting mad at me, so just, I know you're glad to get rid of them. I got it. But I remember that August, I was watching The Price is Right. You say, why was you watching The Price is Right? Because the, the, the rabbit ears, that's all we could get at that time. And they interrupted Bob Barker on The Price is Right. And this, this announcer had a tremble in his voice. Now, I'm not making light of this. It's a human being's life. But he had a tremble in his voice. He said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sad to report to you that the king is dead. And he was referring to Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. And man, I mean, for weeks and weeks and weeks, it was the king is dead. The king is dead. King is dead. But I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, the king did not die. And the king is not dead. Preachers have come and gone. One day I'll be gone. One day my voice will be silenced. My place will be empty. Politicians, earthly kings, earthly leaders, Entertainers, whatever, has come and gone, and the world marches on. There's never been nobody like Jesus. There's still nobody like Jesus. And there never will be nobody like Jesus. You will never hear the heavens echo and say, ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. King is dead. No, he'll never die. He lives forever and forever. You say, well, the world, he's not their king. And the government, he's not their king. And all these sinners and all that's not their king. He may not be their king. But he's my king. And I give him glory tonight. And I give him honor. That's why Christians want to do right. That's why we want to act right. Because he's our king. And I thought about this riding over to church tonight. We ought to just stand all over this congregation. Let Brother Tom lead us in this course. The King is coming. The King is coming. And when we get down to that last line, praise God, I want you to say, He's coming for me. Now I want you to turn to somebody right beside of you tonight and say, Are you ready? Because the King.